Hey guys, welcome to a series called You. So glad that you are joining us today. Super excited, super anticipating what God is going to do and how he's going to change your life and my life through this series. I've already been blessed to be doing some interviews. First time ever, so you can pray for me. I'm always a little nervous before I go on the media because, you know, just historically, media is not the friends of pastors. But it's been amazing what God has been doing. I literally did an interview this week where the woman conducting the interview just broke down in, cry, in tears. She actually said, she apologized to her audience for an ugly cry. Like, guys, we never apologize for an ugly cry. That's because we never look at our face when we're crying. But women are a lot more authentic about what you look like when you cry. And it's just the Holy Spirit, man, just nailing people and convicting people. And our culture is so, so overly focused on everybody else. But this is a series about you. This is a series where God is calling you to change. And I want to talk to so many of you who are Christians. And, and I just want to challenge you. Man, there's so much misinformation out there today. There's so much hysteria about the Enneagram. And today I want to talk to you about how God can use the Enneagram to help you. And I know this because he's used it to help me. He's used it to bless my marriage. He's used it to change the way I relate to my kids. Each individual kid is so different, right? It's amazing, parents, amen? I mean, as far as we know, all the kids came from the same mom and dad, amen? <laughs> but they're so radically different, each and every one of them. And some of you right now, your, your struggle as a parent is you're trying to treat your kid like they're a mini you, but they're not a mini you. They're themselves, and God wants to use this series to learn to relate to your kids and love them for who God made them to be, not who you hope they're going to be, but for who God made them to be. So we're going to begin with Jesus preaching. So if you're concerned about this series and you're taking notes and you're watching me, this is a sermon that Jesus preached, okay? I'm not Jesus. I love Jesus. I preach Jesus. This is Jesus, and this is Jesus preaching. And listen to what he says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, Verses one through nine. He says that same day Jesus went out, went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered around him. Can you imagine what it must have been like to hear God preach? I mean, sometimes when I preach, I'm like, God help us, right? Jesus never, never had to, had to ask that because every word he said was inspired. You know, when he said, um, it was inspired. He's like, um, and the Holy Spirit's like, Amen. That is a God-ordained pause. <laughs> Think about that. So he's preaching, and the crowds were so big, he had to step back and get into a boat for his own protection. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. Can you imagine this? Most of these people can't swim, but they don't care because they're so desperate to hear these words that they've been waiting their, their whole life to hear. I mean, some of you guys, you're like, oh my gosh, it, it's misting in Southern California. I can't go to church. <laughs> These people are willing to risk drowning because they know they're already drowning. And this guy sounds like someone who can set them free. Man, some of you guys, you're like, God, just take away all these things. God's like, I'm going to keep sending these storms so that you finally will get desperate enough to come back to me. And he told them many things in parables saying. He said, a sower went out to sow. You're like, what the heck is that? Okay, he's not knitting a sweater here. He's talking to a farming community who lives every single day having to work the field, work the ground so they can eat. 
I know so many of our young people today, we just got to get back to self-sustaining, you know, economies. And I was watching this interview on YouTube of this young couple that they bought an island off the coast of Canada and they're going to make their own food and sew their own clothes. And a year into it, they're starving. They're starving. Turns out it's better when someone else who knows how to make your food makes your food and someone who knows how to raise animals raises your animals and someone who knows how to, to make your clothes and distribute them, turns out they're better. But in the ancient world, man, every single day, you worked to eat, to eat. Amen, our parents, you know, parents today, your kids are like, oh, I don't like French fries. <laughs> you don't like French fries? When my son was young, I tried to convince him to eat a potato. He's like, nope, I only eat French fries. I'm like, what do you think a French fry is? And with all the wisdom a four-year-old has, he says, not the same thing, Dad. And in anger, I smashed the French fries. And I went, potato. So the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, so he's throwing seed, right? He's throwing seed. He said, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of the soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. This is Jesus preaching. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Listen to Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. You see, just because I'm preaching doesn't mean you're listening. Some of you are just listening for where I'm wrong and you are failing to hear where Jesus is saying, this is right. You see, here's the problem today. The church is not growing. We're not changing the world. We're losing. And we're losing because we think all we have to do is preach the gospel. The problem is never the gospel. Never. Jesus is preaching. This is his sermon. And he's throwing seed. He's throwing it out there. The gospel is never the problem. And some of you, you're like, well, I'm not sure, pastor, if I trust the Bible. The problem is never the Bible. It always cracks me up, man. You go to school and all these professors are, are, are telling you, you know, where the Bible's wrong and then they go digging and they find out they're wrong, the Bible's right. It happens over and over and over again. We just need to have a moment in our culture where all the smarty pants people go, we're sorry, we're so wrong. And then some of you say, oh, I've been, I've been hurt by the church. The church is the problem. Man, it's not the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the family you've always wanted and God knows you need. And some of you are like, well, I just, I have a problem with God. The problem's not God. The problem is the soil. It's the soil. And so what do we do? We just kind of self-assess. I'm just gonna guess what kind of soil we have. You know, in my family, my mother's last name is Estes. I was told my whole life, we're, we're Italian. We're Italian. I told people that. I shared that. I wasn't lying. It's what I believed. We just kind of guessed it, okay? Because 100 years ago, you know, like white people just kind of scattered all over the West and nobody knew what they were. 
And I told people we're Italian. And I took a test, zero Italian, <laughs> zero. Turns out I'm 67% Irish. I'm more Irish than my Irish friend from Ireland. <laughs> Some of us, we just assume what kind of soil it is, like me. Oh, I'm just Italian, that's who I am. And so you just, you just guess or you just assume. And some of us who are super spiritual, we say, well, I don't know what kind of soil I am, but I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna ask God changes the soil. I'm gonna ask God to make it better. I want you to try that at home. I just want you to walk out and pray over the weeds and say, be gone. And seriously, direct message me if it works. You see, when the problem's the soil, what we need is some tools. And let me tell you what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a tool that can help me, that can help me identify me. It's just a tool. That's all it is. People are freaking out. Here's what Proverbs says. This is the book of wisdom. It says, get the facts at any price. At any price, hold tightly to all the good sense you can get. And some of you have very little good sense. I don't know if you've noticed, but common sense isn't common anymore. God wants to use the Enneagram to reveal the real you. It's just a tool. And so many of you, you're, you're, you're so afraid. Oh my gosh, I don't know where the Enneagram comes from. Look, nobody knows fully where it comes from. And, and I'm not here to tell you where it came from. I'm here to tell you what it can do. But here's what I know about my God. My God is not intimidated by anything or anyone. And he can use anything for his sovereign will and purpose. And he's used the Enneagram to save my soul and better my life. Somebody say, well, I think it's, I think it's false prophet. Well, there's a false prophet in the Bible named Balaam and God uses him to bring about his will. And some people say, oh my gosh, I think, I think it's witchcraft. Well, God uses a witch to slap Saul all around in the Bible. And some of you guys, well, I don't know. I, I, I read online, I think it's astrology. Isn't it interesting that the astrologers found Jesus and the Bible scholars in Jerusalem missed him? Oh. Well, I don't know, pastor. I just don't think we should ever use something non-biblical to lead people to Jesus. It isn't interesting when John is writing the gospel to tell you about who Jesus is, he uses a cultic pagan term, logos, to tell you who Jesus is. You see, what John knew is pagan Greeks don't have any idea who a Jewish God is. And so he uses their occultic understanding of the creator, Logos. And he says, in the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Who's the Logos? His name is Jesus. And so that's what the Enneagram can be. It can be a tool that God can use to connect you to your broken, rotten soil so that you can receive his word and produce fruit in your life. And some of you, man, I love you, but you're compacted soil. Jesus said some soil fell, some seed fell along the path. You have been walked over by your parents, abandoned by your friends, used by your peers. And you're hurting and you don't trust anyone. It's not your fault. 
But listen to me, your past doesn't have to determine your future. Stop allowing the people to hurt you in the past to determine your future. Some of you have just, you've just been trampled. Unfortunately for some of us, it's been by Christians and pastors and people in authority that we're supposed to trust. Listen, don't give them power over your entire life or certainly over your eternal life. Some of the seed fell upon rocky soil and I love you guys, but you're hard. You are challenging. You're pushing me. Like I'm trying to be Christ-like, but you are testing me. You're just hard. You're just a box of rocks looking for someone to throw it at. And you know why you're that way? Because you had to do that to survive. You say, well, that's just how my family was raised. Well, great, your family are professional wrestlers. The rest of us just want to avoid you. And some of you guys, you're, you're not rocky on the outside, you're rocky underneath, you're fake on top. You're a thin layer of good soil. But the truth is you have no depth and the second you run into hardship, you don't know what you believe. And some of you guys, you're thorny soil. You're a little prickly. Like it hurts to love you. Like God bless you, I'm glad you're here. You're like a cactus that is beautiful to look at from afar. Man, I love Instagram, pray for me. But one of my favorite Instagram pages that I follow is where animals attack porcupines. It never ends well. And now I don't care if you're a king cobra, a leopard, a lion. I mean, I was, I was watching this video this week and a leopard, it's, he's got these, these, these needles everywhere in his face, in his hands. And he can't go to the other leopards, hey, can you help me? He's got to get him out himself. And for some of you, that's what you're like. You're like, I don't know what's wrong with people. You keep shooting us with your needles. And then there's the good soil. That's what God wants. He wants to change the soil. The problem's not the gospel. The problem's not the sermon. The problem's not the church. The problem's not God. The problem is the soil. So how do we change soil? We change it with tools. And that's all the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a tool that can help me improve my soil. And some of you, your soil is rotten. Some of you have soiled yourselves, amen? You're like, what is that smell? Is that manure? That's you. There's actually a story in Zechariah where the high priest, Yeshua, that was actually his name that year, stood before God. And it's the first time we see Satan's name appear as a noun. It says Hasatan was accusing. So the accuser was accusing the high priest of Israel, the holiest of holies. And you know what it says about what he was dressed in? It says that he was dressed in soiled garments. You see, the high priest thought he was perfect, but when he stood before God, he was soiled. He thought he was the good soil. What you find in Zechariah chapter three is he needed new clothes altogether. 
And praise God, God gave him a new outfit. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants you to produce the good soil. And let me say, let's say your marriage is good. Let's say your kids are good. Can they be better? Can you be a better husband, a better father? Can you be a better wife, a better sister, brother, employee, employer? Can you be a better friend? Like, no, pastor, I'm just like Jesus. Matter of fact, when he returns, he may look at me and say, how can I be in two places at once? And if that's you, stick around for week three. We're going to talk about the core sin of pride. Because that's you. But here's the thing. Nobody knew what Jesus meant. Why is he, why is he talking about soil, sowing? We came out here for a sermon. We wanted to see you do a trick. Feed us. Heal somebody. What on earth are you saying? And for some of you, that's what happens when you go to church. Yeah, I don't get anything out of it. And you think it's the church's fault. You think it's the pastor's fault. The problem's the soil. Jesus says, now listen to the explanation of the parable. You think you're lost. The disciples are like, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. This is a parable about the farmer planting seeds. Let's talk about the compacted soil. Let's talk about the seed that fell amongst the path. What does it mean, pastor? Listen to what Jesus says it means. In Matthew 13, 19, it says, the seed that fell upon the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Some of you are so frustrated with people that don't get Christianity, it's not their fault. Listen to this. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Man, if you're a person that's been wounded or hurt, I know so many people, you can't believe in God because you want to know where were you, Jesus, when that happened to me. Where were you then? Here's Jesus' answer. I'm here now. I'm here now. Maybe your parents put you in a position where you were wounded. Maybe you trusted somebody that was evil. There are evil people in this world. They may have hurt your body. Don't let them steal your soul. Your past does not have to determine your future. Listen to me, church. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. Not every spiritual thing is good. Not every spiritual thing is awesome. There isn't just the Holy Spirit. There are evil spirits. There are things that hate you. God has a wonderful plan for your life, and Satan wants to destroy your life. He is the accuser. That's who he is. That's what he does. And there's only one person that can take away those wounds. His name is Jesus. There's only one person that can cover your shame. His name is Jesus. But he won't come in, listen to me, unless he's invited. You see, evil people don't ask for permission, do they? They just barge in and destroy. Jesus is waiting for your invitation. And some of us, man, it's rocky soil, right? Like, God bless you, I love you. You're a hard person to love. You're a hard person, man. I mean, I'm not saying everything's bad. You know, you're like the Matterhorn at Disneyland. I always regret it when I get off. <laughs> I do, man. God bless Walt Disney, but that dude doesn't know how to make a roller coaster. 
Man, by the time I get to the beast in the mountain, I'm just, I just want off, right? You know, it just, it hurts. It's a terrible ride. That's you. You're this giant mountain and you're just hurting everybody who loves you. And you're like, I don't know why people don't want to get on my ride. Because you are hurtful. The seed that fell on rocky soil, listen to Jesus. It represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Oh, yes, this is awesome. And this is so many Christians today. You got saved, but you never got changed. And this is why people come to church and they never come back. Because we got saved souls and broken morons. Listen to me, Christian. When you receive Christ, your soul is saved, but the work for your personality and your emotions has just begun. And it's why so many pastors and churches are actually afraid to begin the work that the Enneagram can start because it's scary. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. Some of you, your faith is shallow because you haven't invited God into the deep places. And the reason you haven't invited God into the deep places is because you don't know where those places are. They fall away because they're persecuted for believing in God's word. Man, life is not always going to be good, but God is always good. And some of you, you're struggling. I don't know how come we can have a Christian marriage and still struggle in our marriage. That's because you're not married to Jesus. You're married to a sinner. They married a sinner. And neither of them, you believed it because you were so in love, you lied to yourself. You're perfect. <laughs> All marriage teaches you is, you is you don't know what perfect is. You're like, I like you a lot. Let's live together forever. <laughs> then some of us, man, we're the thorny soil. You're the porcupines. You're the cactus. The seed that fell amongst the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries. Some of you are more connected to COVID than you are to Christ. You know more variants of COVID than you've read translations of scripture. You're freaking out. You're overwhelmed with anxiety. Listen to me. Anxiety is an invitation of your soul to deeper things. And some of you are saying, I don't know why I'm anxious. Jesus says, I know. I know. Let me show you. Jesus won't heal you. He doesn't heal unless you're real. But the worries of this life, oh, and the lures of wealth. Man, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to believe something new is going to make you new. The only thing that can make you new is Jesus. And a new car comes with a payment plan. Jesus already paid. He already paid. It costs you nothing. It costs him everything. The worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. 
Oh, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, but there are thorns. There are thorns choking out what God wants to do in your life. And you say, where, where Pastor Matt? That's where I was. That's where I was. Man, this whole journey began when my wife and I, we had a huge fight, a huge argument. You've heard this story if you've been at Sandals time and time again, but this is the moment where my life began to change. My wife's in the bathroom crying with the door closed. I'm on the other side of the door and I say out loud, why is it that the whole world thinks I'm amazing? But you. And this little whimpering voice invited me to the deep end. And she said, because no one knows the real you like I do. Why is it, dads, that everyone at work thinks you're great and your family can't stand you? Why is it, moms, that you just love your kids so much but they can't wait to escape? Why is it that you're such an amazing person but nobody wants to be your friend? Why is it that you can't keep a job? You see, the world says it must be them. The Enneagram says, let me show you where it might be you. And then the last thing is the good soil. Jesus said, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. You have no idea what a miracle is when you actually listen. Every single weekend I speak, occasionally there's a miracle where you hear. And some of you, unfortunately, when you hear, you think it's for him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're Facebooking your friends. Sure wish you were at church this weekend. Would have been a great message for you. Let me ask you, when's the last time you heard from God? The seed goes out every week. The problem's not the preaching, thank God. The problem's the soil. How is it that my wife and I could have such different views of me? Because my soil was hard and I couldn't receive the word of God. Why did I believe Tammy? I didn't like her, but I believed, at least at one point in our life, she loved me. And so I had to take the risk of believing that she might see some things in me that I had missed myself. Here's one thing you never have to question. Jesus loves you. He loves you despite whether you've been walked over your entire life. He loves you even if you are so rocky. We're all bruised every time we talk. He even loves porcupines. He made porcupines. They were his idea. That is pretty creative, I have to say. <laughs> you know, and what's your weapon? You know. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But God created you. And he didn't just create you to be broken. He created you to be beautiful. And he wants to show you those things. 
You see, the Enneagram is a tool. It's just a tool that Jesus can use to change my life for the better. That's all I'm inviting you to do. And there's so many Christians, God bless you, I love you. Why are you allergic to the self-help section in Barnes and Nobles? I don't want any help for myself. Show me that verse in the Bible. Avoid things that help. Why are we allergic to success? Don't you want a better marriage? Don't you want a better life? Don't you want to love your kids in a better way? Don't you want to feel more successful at work? That all depends upon you understanding yourself and your soil. Listen to this verse. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, then Jesus said, just preached Jesus. Okay, then Jesus said, come to me. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to atheists and religious people. It's an invitation regardless of color, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation. Come to me, all who are weary and you carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. I just need Jesus. No, no, there's something else here that you've probably missed. He says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is a tool. Used primarily for what? It goes on the ox's back to break up rocky, hard soil so that seeds can be planted. Jesus is inviting you. He's saying, I'm a surgeon, but I'm going to use this knife. Oh, but pastor, that's going to hurt. Yep, surgery does. I've had it. But if you've got cancer, you want it out. You want it out. And some of you, your whole life, you've been raised in church and you've never known what sin is. I hope you can hear this. Sin is a relational disease. That's what it does. It's broken. Your relationship with God forever, that's why Jesus Christ had to die to fix it. It's broken your relationship with the people that you love the most. It's why Adam and Eve covered themselves. It's broken the relationships between children. It's why Cain killed Abel. It's broken the relationships of sisters. That's why so many in the Bible hate each other and are envious of one another. Sin is a relational disease that doesn't care who you are, what color you are, what gender or sex or what socioeconomic bracket you come from. It will destroy everything that you care so much about. It is a relational cancer and Jesus wants to cut it out. Two things have to happen. You have to be weary and heavy burdened. You have to say, Jesus, I can't carry this anymore. You see, sometimes married couples, the almost end of your marriage is the beginning of a new marriage. Sometimes losing friends is the beginning of learning how to make real friends. Sometimes getting fired from your job is a gift. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I don't want you to learn about the Enneagram. I want Jesus to teach you about yourself. That's why my book's called You. It's called You. It's about you. You know what the Bible says about you? Your real life is hidden 
within Christ. You don't even know your real self. Jesus knew you. He designed you. You were his idea, just like that porcupine. He thought about you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Some of you who have rejected God, you have no idea who God is. So many people tell me, well, why doesn't God just show his face and shout from the heavens, here I am, because he's humble and gentle. And he doesn't want people who just pooped themselves to believe. Oh yeah, that's what I thought, it was you. He wants people to search for him and find him and he doesn't want to overwhelm you with his power. But he wants to woo you with his love. Listen to this, and you will find rest for your soul. You see, Jesus doesn't just want to reveal your soil. He wants to reveal your soul. This series will help you to love the people in your life better. Better. You see, every single one of us, we perceive, process, and present ourselves differently. Every single one of us. We see the world one way. We perceive it. We process it. And then we present. Here's where I am. Right? We can all look at, at the vaccines and come to very different conclusions. Same information, same details, and it comes out differently. Why is that? You are very different. You see, Jesus, he healed a guy on the Sabbath. He did a miracle. Can you imagine if we called a paralyzed person up here and I healed him? Some people would see the hand of God and other people would see the devil. That's what they said about Jesus. He does this by the power of Satan. Whoa. And Jesus said to them, there's no forgiveness for that. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But we're all perceiving this in a certain way, through a certain lens that unfortunately is clouded by the soil in which you were raised. And some of you have grown up and moved out, but you've never learned how to change the soil. You're still as broken as the mom and dad and the home that you escaped from. And listen to me, the things that protected you as a child will ruin you as an adult. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to protect yourself anymore. He's saying, let, let me teach you how to be protected. This series is gonna help you to really learn how to love someone else, to see them. And instead of doing what the world does right, Instead of saying, you're crazy, you're rude, you hate America, you're an atheist, you're this, you're that, you can say, okay, we, we can agree to disagree, but I'm gonna genuinely and really love you. Romans says, stop pretending to love others. Stop! You know why our politicians are so whacked? They pretend to care about us. Really love them. Really love them. You want to really love your kids? Love them where they are. You want to really love your spouse? Love them where they are. You really want to love people in this church? Love them where they are. That's what God does. He doesn't want you to stay where you are, but he's going to love you right where you are. And next, we have to learn to speak truth to them in a way that allows them to hear. Man, when I grew up in church, man, if you weren't snarling, ripping and ranting and sweating, you weren't preaching. I remember the first time my wife went, went with me to a Southern Baptist convention. She's like, what's that guy's problem? I think he's angry. I was like, oh, he's just preaching the love of God. 
Ephesians 4.14 says this, we will all speak the truth in love to each other. You see what the Enneagram is going to help you do is to speak truth in such a way so it lands. Oh, you're a porcupine, so I'm going to stay over here while we talk. And hopefully you're going to trust me so you'll show me your face. See, there's no needles in the face. Hopefully you're, you're going you're to learn how to speak to people so that they can hear you. You know what most of our problems is? We all communicate the way we want to be communicated with, and it doesn't work. It was so amazing. I was having a conversation with my daughter this week, and I, I know you have a hard time believing this, but from time to time I get, let's call it, passionate. <laughs> and I was super passionate, and I was talking to my daughter, and I was letting her know what I thought and how I felt, and my wife goes, now, sweetheart, your dad is not angry at you. This is what it looks like when he loves and is concerned. And then she added, I don't like it when he does it to me, but I understand that when he's doing it for you, he's not ready to kill us all. She said, he actually wants to protect us. And then she looks at me and she goes, and it's kind of sexy. And then she goes, when it's not directed at me. But isn't that amazing? Here's what my wife is saying. The way you're talking to your daughter right now that you love isn't working. You see, you sound angry. No, I don't. But that's how it's coming across, and that's how it's landing. Dads, do you want your daughters to fear you or love you? I think love changes. I think fear causes relationships to flee. But the Enneagram helped my wife to go, Dad's not a jerk. This is actually a really distorted view of Jesus that's coming out right now. <laughs> We're all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Your dad has issues. <laughs> but here's the thing. The Enneagram is not only going to help you to love the people that matter the most to you. And let me just ask this. Why are we the worst to the people we love the most? Next, to understand and love the real you. My deepest problem as your pastor was I thought, if I was real, you wouldn't love me, you wouldn't listen to me. You would never care for me. You see, one of my core issues is shame, and so I spend my whole life trying to cover it, and there's only one thing that can cover your shame. It's the cross. Jesus said, listen to this, the truth will set you free. The Enneagram can help you find the truth about yourself. I was talking to somebody in our church who's helping me with my book, and you know, he's reading it because I've asked him to. He didn't, he didn't buy the book. He's reading it because I asked him to. I'm asking for his input as a professional. You know what he told me? He said he was reading through the book. He came to his number that he identifies with and he said he showed it to his wife with tears in his eyes and he said this is me isn't it amazing that we can be strangers even within the context of marriage he said this is me are you still going to love me because god that's ugly you see we're all the high priest who's standing there looking sharp covered in filth 
God sends an angel to take off the clothes of Yeshua, his soiled garments, and he presents him with perfect clothes. That's what God wants you to do. But in order for you to get the new suit, you got to smell the old one. So many of you, man, you struggle. You struggle. We're going to talk about the core sin of laziness. We all have it in some areas. But Proverbs 24 says this, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, but he will seek a harvest and have nothing. If you don't do the work, you won't experience the blessing. Get in a group, start a group. Get the book, don't get the book. Listen to the sermons, do some work. Do some work. Jesus is calling, come to me. All who are weary and I will give you rest for your souls. But here's the thing you need to know about Jesus. Jesus will only be serious about changing your life if you are serious about changing your life. Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow. What's a plow? It's a tool to plow what? Terrible, rocky, porkly, prickly, awful soil. No one is fit for the kingdom of God who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Here's what Jesus is saying to you today. Are we gonna do this or what? I'm ready. I'm ready. And let me say this. I don't know what God's gonna do in your life. We are not all promised the same blessings. What does he say about the good soil? The good soil didn't always produce the same amount, did it? But it always produced. We are not all promised the same blessing, but we are all promised a blessing. At the end of this series, we're gonna celebrate. I believe thousands of people are gonna come to the reality that they're a sinner and they need to be saved, and we're gonna celebrate that. I believe that marriages are gonna be healed, lives are gonna be changed, relationships with mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, friends and brothers and sisters will be repaired as Jesus Christ uses the tool of the Enneagram to begin healing in our lives. And let me tell you something, healing relationships is never the work of Satan, it is always the work of Jesus. I'm inviting you right now to make a commitment to be a part of this journey for the next 10, 11 weeks, to join us. And each and every week, we learn how to love better, to love one another better. We learn how to love ourselves and we learn how to relate to God in a way that makes sense for us. That's what this series is all about, about making you better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for every single relationship, for every single person that's listening. God, you didn't come to condemn our soil. You came to change it. You came to make it better. You came to bless us. God, in the next few weeks together, change our marriages, change our friendships, change our relationships with our kids, change our relationship with you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Sovereign God, we ask you to use your Holy Spirit to use this series to change our lives. God, you are the surgeon. And we ask you to use the Enneagram as a knife to cut deep, but to bring healing and to save our relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.